listening to the Grace City Church podcast. Make sure to check us out online at gracecityvegas.com. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace City Vegas. Well, amen. Good morning. You guys doing good? Hey. Um, whoa, I just lost all of you. Um, before we jump into the word and everything, as, as Pastor Mike was saying, um, man, it's, it's moments and songs like that, that that I go back and I think about the journey that, that I've been on with the Lord. Um, you know, I've been on a journey with Jesus. If you got my book, you'll get it. Um, but I, I go back to this moment when I was, I was 21 years old. I'm alone in a prison cell and I'm just reading the Bible and then the Holy Spirit just meets me in my prison cell. Um, and it, like you grow up in a home where you, you know who the Lord is, right? Um, but, you know, making your own choices, living your own way very wildly. Um, and then you just come to this moment where you're like, okay. And I tell people, I was like, listen, my, my prayer wasn't like one of those really good rehearsed Christian prayers of like salvation. It was literally just a moment of desperation where it was just like, Lord, if you're real... And there's more to life than this. And, and what I'm reading, I was reading the Bible. It's like, if, if, this, if this is real, I want this because I'm tired of my life. It's exhausting putting on a facade on a regular basis. And it was in that moment that, that I, I tell people, it's like I fully surrendered because I was tired of running and I, and I surrendered to Christ. And, and after that, there was a, 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 a huge learning curve. You know, listen, I, it's weird. Like you tell people in prison, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. It's like, right. Yeah, that's why you're in here, right? Because you're a good one. Um, but it was just like this, this interesting season of highs and lows to where I really, really wanted to follow the Lord. I really wanted to, to seek him and be set apart, even in my prison cell. And I remember, um, I, I'm not much of a crier. If you know me, I'm like, I'm not, I'm an emotional guy, but I'm not a crier. But it, it was in prison where the Lord just did this really deep work in my heart. And I cried all the time. I have this story that I tell sometimes. It was funny. I was out in, uh, so I was in military prison. So uh, we all had our own cell. Praise Jesus. Um, I didn't want a roommate in prison. That's the one place you don't want a roommate, I guess. Um, and the, but they had the common areas, right? So I'm out in the common area, and I'm sitting there, and I had my Bible out, and I had this new concordance that I was learning how to use, and, and I was studying. I remember the book of Philippians. Um, and I'm studying Philippians, and I'm talking about how, you know, we're, we're supposed to die to ourselves, and, and this next life, and I'm, and I'm into it. And all of a sudden, like, you guys ever have that feeling where it's like you're about to cry and, like, ball, right? Like, you ever, nobody has a feeling? Am I the only one? Like, when I cry, sometimes you're like, <gasps> but, but I'm out in front of everybody, so I can't cry there, right? Like, you cannot cry in front of everybody in prison, because that's just, it's just not cool. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry. Like, what's going on? And so I like, wait, wait. okay, Lord, okay, Lord. So I start gathering my Bible, I start gathering all my books together, and I'm like trying to like, you can't run either, you're not allowed to run in prison. Um, so you're like trying to like hurriedly walk to your cell without crying with all your books. I was like, pop cell 34! And I get there and I like lay my stuff on my bed and I just start bawling and weeping and weeping. And I'm like, God, what is going on? Like, I've, I don't even know what this is. And the Lord, by, the, by his grace, was just like, like I'm, I'm healing you. 
I'm healing your heart. Like he was just pulling stuff out inside of me that I never knew was there. And it was just because I was pursuing him in his word. And so like sometimes I get to this point where it's like 15 plus years later and we're doing things for the Lord and we're running, 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 running. I was just hanging out with Pastor Mike this week and I'm like talking about like just how busy we are right now running, running. And it's just these moments where I'm like, man, you've been so faithful. You've been so good to me. You know, and so it's like, I take, take me back to where we start. Not the prison cell, though, like, but like where we started together, right? Of like, Lord, and I tell people, like, listen, prison was the best thing that ever happened to me. Amen. It was the hardest thing for sure. It's definitely one of the hardest. But it was one of the best because he just caught me alone with him. And that's what, what I needed. I needed to be alone with him because as long as there was the distractions of this world and the worries of this world, I... I couldn't seem to focus. So sometimes the Lord uses those hard moments uh, in our lives to bring us closer. But then here we are, we can look back and be like, Lord, man, you've been so good. So good to me. So, so good to me. Okay, you don't want me to sing. Somebody else will have to do that one. Um, And so I just want to take a moment to pray. I'm with Pastor Mike. Like, I really really want to spend a little bit more time in worship. Um, But but I want to talk a little, little teaching uh, I'm gonna do some teaching today, okay? And then um, we're gonna we're gonna worship a little bit more, guys. I really don't think I don't think I have a lot to say, but you never know. I'm a preacher, right? So I, you know, in the coming weeks, next week it's Palm Sunday, and then after that it's Easter. And so uh, p- part of today's teaching, before we jump in, is is really just um, Jesus's last a little bit of time before. He's betrayed, or the, before the triumphal entry, and he's giving some teachings out of the book of Matthew. But I just want to take a moment, and I want to, I want to just ask the Holy Spirit to lead. Amen? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so um, Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead and to guide and to move. Father, we recognize you as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You are the Almighty. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the God of God and the King of kings. Father, we just praise you so much for the God that you are, for the mercy that you show, and the kindness and the loving kindness that you have for us. And Jesus, we thank you so much for not just your sacrifice, but your resurrection, for the kindness that you show us, for for being... um, that atonement to bring us in closer to you. But Holy Spirit, we surrender this time as you empower us and you impart to us that you lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord God. Father, that, that anything that I had written down that we can just throw out the window if it's not what you want. The Father, that at any part of any of this time of this gathering where we're together as believers, the Father, we can just stop what, what our agenda is and just let you lead. Holy Spirit, it's only you that can speak to the heart. It's only you that can convict. It's only you that can reveal to us that which where we need to grow and pursue and seek or repent. Holy Spirit, guide us today as we jump into the word. Amen. Um, yeah, so it's funny. as I, I had a whole other sermon prepared in my heart, and I've been working on it kind of throughout the week, the last couple of weeks. Um, and then, like, right around Thursday, I kind of had this feeling like, oh, you're going to change it on me, aren't you? Like, I just know it. Um, and then I hung out, we, like I said, Pastor Mike and I, we hung out Friday and kind of caught up. And I was like, dude, I just feel like he's going to change it on me. Like, I just know it. And sure enough, he changed it on me. Um, 
And so th- this teaching, though, I think is very vital because, it, it, A, I want to help bring some clarity on some scriptures. But, B, it, it's, it's also this call to, like, hey, let's, we just need to be serious. You guys ever get in those ser- seasons where we're just like, man, we need to take this thing serious. Like, following Jesus sometimes can be, like, really fun. Right? I believe like all four seasons in, you know, in nature also correlate to sometimes seasons in life. You know, sometimes it's like the summer season, it's fun, it's exciting, but then there's just seasons like, man, like we got to press in. The Lord's doing something, and I, I don't want to miss it. And so um, the Lord took me to Matthew, and he gave me a parable. Um, it's, it's in Matthew chapter 25, and a little bit of pre-context to the book of Matthew. So in, uh, we, we know there's four Gospels, right? Well, if you don't know, you know now. There's four Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each Gospel was written with a different, really, intention or perspective. And the book of Matthew was written by, well, Matthew, um, who was also named Levi. He was a tax collector. You know, if you're named Matthew, say hallelujah. Well, come on. That's close to hallelujah, I guess. Um, it's a modern, modern version. Um, and so Matthew penned this letter about Jesus, not letters, basically the story of Jesus' life, but really it was to the Jews. So he was writing it with Jews in mind, and it, had a, it has the most Jewish idioms and the most Old Testament um, connections. So Matthew is very much a Jewish gospel to the Jews. It applies to us, but there's lots of things that we can miss when reading the gospel of Matthew and other ones too, but specifically this one because there's so many Jewish idioms and things like that. I I only learned about some of this is, I think it was seven, eight years ago now, I took a a trip to um, Israel. Um, Bless the Lord, my my wife's aunt paid for the whole thing because otherwise I never haven't, I would have gone by now. Um, and I got a tour, but our guide was like this messianic rabbi. So he's actually from a priestly line of Cohen's, um, and his whole family is Jewish. And he basically, his, his testimony is crazy. He's like, he knew the Bible in Hebrew, in Greek, and in English. Um, and he was saying one day he was going through it in Hebrew, and there was a single letter in a single verse in the book of Esther that converted him to uh, believing Yeshua is the Messiah. I was like, what? A letter? In a, but again, every letter, every jot and tittle has a specific meaning in the Hebrew language. And so he, he, he tells the story, but then he, he takes us on these tours. And so many things just came to life about the Jewishness of scriptures um, and how many things correlate. So I say all that. So when we start reading this passage, I'm going to bring out some of that. So it makes sense for us today about what we need to know as believers now. Um, And so book of Matthew, chapter 25, we see the parable of ten virgins. Must not be from Las Vegas. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I know, I'm joking. That was a terrible joke. We We were just talking about how God was turning Sin City into Gray City and all this. And I was like, man, Gray City just has such a bad rap. Or not Gray City, Sin City has such a bad rap. Sorry, Mike, Gray City does too. It was, uh, when I first moved here, um, there was these, these, this pastor I was hanging out with, and uh, he, people were just like, man, you moved to Vegas, like, you know what goes on in Vegas? I'm like, no, I have no idea. Please tell me. I'm just, you know, I'm just completely ignorant of what happens in Vegas. Um, and so they give Vegas this bad rap. I was like, well, the, the truth is this pastor got a little feisty uh, that was from here. He's like, the truth is everybody that comes to our city to sin is from your guys' cities. Like, it's all the tourists. Like, most of us who live here, like, we never even go down there. 
It's like we go down there for dinner or maybe a show occasionally, but like I've lived here for four and a half years and I've actually done something on the strip like four times, you know? And it's usually because somebody's visiting and wants to go visit it, you know? So it's actually all your people from your cities that are coming here to sin. Leave our city alone, okay? We'll get back to scripture. How about that before I get myself in trouble? All right, chapter 25 of Matthew, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish ones took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise ones took oil and jars along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was taking a long time, they all got drowsy and started falling asleep. But in the middle of the night, there was a shout. Look, the bridegroom has come to meet. Uh, let's come to meet him. And then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. Now the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil since our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going off to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Now later, the other virgins came saying, Sir, sir, open up for us. But he replied, Amen. I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay alert, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Okay, that's kind of a lot. It can be kind of intense. Um, but what we're going to walk through and listen, some of this who are a little more versed in the Jewishness of this, please give me some grace because I cannot say some of these words, all right? I, I tried last night to like say some of these. I'm like, I'm going to butcher them. I'm just going to do it. Um, but I, what I want to do is I want to explain to you um, the basically at the first century what a Jewish wedding would look like um, because what Scripture does is uh, there's a lot of correlations between Scripture um, uh, weddings of, of the Jewish wedding and... The wedding with the lamb. Okay, so we're going to talk about that. We, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're the bride and Jesus is the groom, right? So we're the bride and he's the groom. And so we have to have that mindset and that context for this passage because when Jesus is telling this, he's, he's talking to primarily Jews and his disciples. And again, he's, he's referring to when he's, he's coming back. And so there's three parts. There is the, I'm not even going to try to say him. How about that? There's the first part, it's brace in three, it's the mutual commitment, then there's the engagement, and then the marriage. You know, for us, a lot of times it, it looks different, especially in Vegas, there's just marriage, right? You're just like, woo, hey, we're going to, wedding chapel, right down the road. But here, there's three parts, and they're very, very specific and significant. The first part of the mutual engagement, known as the shudikin, sure, refers to the preliminary engagement prior to the legal betrothal. In ancient times, the father of the groom often selected a bride for his son, as did Abraham did for his son Isaac, right? We see this in Genesis 24. Traditionally, though, in the preparation for the betrothal ceremony, the bride and groom are separately immersed in water. So this is a ritual called a mikvah. We call it baptism. But there was a mikvah, so the bride or the groom would go to a mikvah, and a groom would go to a mikvah. And it, listen, mikvahs are kind of cool. I, um, when I was in Israel, again because we had a rabbinic um, tour guide, he actually showed us a mikvah, took us to the mikvah sites, and actually allowed us to have our own mikvah into Yeshua. And so I got to do my mikvah in the Sea of Galilee. 
um, committing to Yeshua. And it was, it was pretty cool because what, what the way he taught it was you dip down under the water three times into a point of basically like, uh, I can't do it anymore. But you, you just get down all the way, okay? Um, and grab your knees and then you come back up on the third time and you jump up as if it's a new birth, right? And then you come up and then you shout a blessing of who you're going to be baptized into the name of. Right. And so but this mikvah is a specific ritual saying, hey, I'm I'm being um, committed to this woman and this woman to this man. So they have a mikvah. Uh, we also see in Matthew chapter three that Yeshua was immersed in water and he had a mikvah in the Jordan River. So Jesus was baptized. So one of the calls, again, we know from a spiritual side that, hey, we're being born again. We're dying, burial and resurrecting unto Christ in the life. But it's also part of our preparation to be married to, to our groom, you know, so everything in scripture is symbolic and has meaning, okay, and so during that process, they, then from there, the bride-to-be would, after they've been immersed, they, they go back to their homes, so they make a covenant, then there's this betrothal part, where after the immersion, they enter into a chapa. did I get that right? That's what I said, totally. And it's basically a marriage canopy. I don't know if you guys have ever seen them. They're, they're usually white. They're about, I think they're like four feet by four feet. I saw one in Israel. There was a wedding going on. It was cool. Like, dude, you want to talk about a wedding? Whew, those guys know how to like have a, I mean, we would call it a party, but they call it a celebration, right? Um, but they know how to celebrate, and it was cool. And so it's basically it's symbolic of a new household being planned to establish a binding contract. Here, the groom would give the bride money or valuable objects such as a ring, and, and then they would share a cup of wine, which was customary shale to seal the covenant. Okay, so if they have a, a covenant and there's a gift and a seal, it also applies to us. We see in Ephesians, and two times, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 4, it says, In him you also, you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 4. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of your redemption. Listen, I hate pulling scriptures out and just kind of giving no context, but part of it is if we understand the wedding ceremony and how we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, well, that's part of that, that covenant agreement, right? Is we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Also, during this time, the groom was to, to prepare a place for his bride. While the bride is focused on her personal preparations, you need to pay attention to this, wedding garments, lamps, and the other things, although the bride knew to expect her groom after about a year or so, she did not know the exact day or hour. He could come earlier. It was the father of the groom who gave the final approval for the return to collect his bride. For that reason, the bride kept oil in her lamps ready at all times, just in case the groom came in the night, sounding the shofar, or what we would call a ram's horn nowadays, uh, to lead the bridal procession to the home that he had prepared for her. Listen, there is an element of preparation that the bride has to do for her groom. In the same way, in the same parable, we have to be prepared for our groom when he returns. So there are things that we need to do in preparation. Um, those of you know who know Chuck Missler, Chuck Missler wrote a, a, a great book called The Kingdom, The Power, The Glory. It's, uh, but he has this quote that I took out of here that I really liked. He says, This is the season in which the bride is getting ready and preparing for her husband's return. 
and her new role. We are called to transfer our allegiance from the earthly things to the heavenly things, learning to love God rather than self, replacing our preoccupation with our friends and families to making the Lord the most important things in our lives. And finally, going from depending on self and our own abilities to depending upon Christ for everything. We see this in Revelation 19. The bride of Christ must make herself ready to be presented to the Lord without stain or wrinkle. Revelation 19, 7-9 says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself Ready. It was granted to her clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Listen, there is this idea of the not, there's the ceremony after the preparation, and then we're going to get to a wedding supper. We'll talk to the supper. Supper's my favorite part, right? We're going to have some food and festivities, the celebration. But we, in this season, the body of Christ needs to be getting ready. Thank you, Angie. We also see in the parable of the ten virgins, which we saw, Yeshua had likened the kingdom of God to the special period of preparation when the groom comes to his bride. So, Today, in the season of Yeshua's end time return, we should be careful and alert and prepared. Yeshua was speaking to his disciples prophetically about the condition of the church in the last days. Again, I'm going to talk more about the preparation towards the end of the message before we worship. Um, But but this this is what I felt in my spirit when the Lord shifted me this way. Is guys, there is an urgency to this. There is this, we have to be ready it's not like, yeah, he's, he's going to get here when he gets here, right? Um, it's like, yeah, I mean, I hope he shows up soon. Like, listen, we do. I pray the Lord shows up soon. There, there'd be nothing more exciting than being in the presence of the Lord, right? For, for Paul, when he wrote Philippians, like, listen, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, it's, I, I want to be a father, but it's better that I stay here for a little bit longer. But man, there's, there's this desire to be with the Lord. There's this desire we should have for his return. But in that desire, there should also be preparation, right? And then after that, when Yeshua comes, then there's the marriage. We see in John 14, And if I go and I prepare a place to you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that, we may be, so that you may be where I am. Again, he's talking about, I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you and we will have, you will be my bride. The final step in the Jewish wedding tradition is called nuisin? Neosin? It means to take. It just means to take, okay? A word that comes... Uh, it, it, I mean, it also can mean to lift up, okay? Uh, we see in John 14 uh, that, that he's coming, he's gonna, and then he's going to take us up, you know? You got to know what it means to, like, float and levitate. We'll know one day, right? We'll be taken up in this thing. I don't know, I don't know what it's going to feel like, but I can just only imagine. Get it? I can only imagine what it's going to feel like. I'm sorry. I'm, I got dad jokes for days. I know, I know. I just think I'm so funny, but my kids are starting to catch on that I'm not. Um, At this time, the groom, with much noise, fanfare, romance, carried the bride home. Once again, the bride and groom would enter um, the chuppah that he said, recite a blessing over the wine, um, and then they would finalize their vows. Now, finally, they would consummate their marriage and live together as husband and wife, fully partaking in all of the duties and privileges of the covenant of marriage. Likewise, the Messiah... 
Yeshua. As the bridegroom has gone to prepare that place for us, the day of the return of the Messiah for his bride is soon approaching. We just don't know when, right? If you do know when, shoot, let us know, okay? Uh, we see in 2 Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Um, I, I feel like a theme of night, though, sometimes. I feel like, I don't know. Maybe night over there is day over here. I, I'm tired of figuring it out. Uh, the bride, which is us, should live consecrated lives in preparation, keeping themselves pure and holy. Um, it talks a lot about this in, in 1 Thessalonians, about when he blasts the shofar to come get us. Like, we, we have to be ready. And, and this is, you're going to see the theme of this message. And I'm going to read just a couple more scriptures, and then we're going to lead into this, okay? Um, Revelation 21. I don't know, anybody has been reading Revelation lately, right? Yeah, I mean, Revelation's a good book, but it's definitely one of those where it's like, okay, Lord, all right. Um, I was listen, I've been listening to uh, Matt Chandler's series on it, and it's uh, very interesting to hear some of his perspective. And again, because like you, you, you're raised up in these different camps, you know, and then you have like pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and the different millennial reigns, and, and there's these different things. But seeing the, the way that Matt Chandler's been talking about these snapshots into what the Lord is doing. Um, but towards the end of Revelation, we see chapter 21, and we see, said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. When the Messiah returns for us, and everything in the world today indicates that his, his return is going to be soon, we're going to celebrate, guys, with this marriage feast. But some won't celebrate. Some won't be invited in. Those who are going to say, he's like, I don't even know who you are, even though that they were, like, again, if we read the passage and we're going to look through it one more time, is they were there waiting for his return, but they weren't ready and they weren't invited in to the feast. Revelation 22, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give it to everyone according to what he has done. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. Here, here's the scripture that hit me the hardest out of all of this as we are praying. Again, going through Revelation. You see in Revelation chapter 3 where he starts to talk about the churches. And he says, And to the angel of the church of Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and to the seven stars. I know your works. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and, a, and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed, thus his name before the Father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear with the Spirit says to the churches. Guys, this is a church doing works. This is a church doing stuff. But he also calls them asleep. He also tells them, listen, you, you, you've soiled your garments. 
You, you've, you've gotten so involved with the world that, that you, now you look like them. That your, your inner purity and your beauty is missing. There's another parable Jesus teaches about inviting everybody to the, to the feast, right? He, I think it's twice. and I think it's in Luke and Matthew. And he talks about this invitation into this banquet. And he's like, go out to the utter ends because the first three said no. And then when they come in, then there's a guy who, who gets in and, and, and he's like, hey, you, you didn't put on the wedding garment. You see, normally they would provide a wedding garment. And he's like, you didn't put it on. And he says, cast him out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, the invitation is to everyone. But at the very end of that same passage, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. You see, there is this element. Listen, justification is different than sanctification. There is an invitation and there is entrance and, there, and that we can come in. And it is by the grace of God, by faith alone, by grace alone, right, that we come into this right standing and relationship with Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins, surrendering to the Father as our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and our King. And he says, listen, I, I, I've, I'm preparing you as a bride for the groom, but you have to be ready. You have to be ready. The thing that I see in both of these passages, Matthew 25 and in Revelation 3, in verse 5 of Matthew 25, it says, Now while the bridegroom was taking a long time, they all got drowsy and started falling asleep. You see, the truth is even, even the five wise ones were falling asleep. Listen, it's been 2,000 years that we've been waiting for Jesus. Right? We've been waiting a long time for him to come back. But I think that the, the, the church, the bride, is starting to fall asleep. The bride is, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been that tired. Um, I've been that tired. I, what was it? I, um, the other night I took this... Um, I bought a new, it was a protein powder, but it had like a, it's a PM, so it helps you fall asleep. Lord knows I need help falling asleep. But I asked my wife, I took it the other night, and all of a sudden I was in bed, and I was like, well, I can't even stay awake. Like, I'm just, I'm just tired. You guys ever been that tired? Like, listen, if you're a parent of a toddler, you've been that tired, right? Like, but, but sometimes I feel like I look at the church, and, and that's what's happening. I say capital C church, especially the American church, is I feel like we're, like we've just been lulled to sleep. There's just, you know, God, man, we got, listen, the, the music's good. Man, the, the, the words are good. Like, it's just, it's just all good. And we've, we've gotten so comfortable yes. that it's like, man, are, are we really ready? And it's not even just my question for you. It's my question for me, yeah. right? Like, are, am I ready? Like, am I really ready? Like, I think I'm ready. Like, I think I'm doing stuff. But, but he just said in Revelation 3, listen, he's like, your, your works, I see them. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're not. You know, one of the other interesting things that I, I pulled out of this passage, the five foolish virgins. Again, virgins waiting for the king's return or for the, bri or the groom's return, right? They're waiting too. We're both waiting. But the word foolish, according to Strong's, means double-minded. It's basically that they, they, they had now in mind and the next life in mind. 
They, they, they weren't committed to one or the other. They were, they were just, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know he's coming, I know he's coming, but man, this life, this life, this life. Listen, the thing about this marriage ceremony, if, if you look into it, it's like part, so much of the, the year is a preparation of like, man, I got to take allegiance from my household into this next life that's coming. Guys, we need to, to shift our allegiance from this life to the next life. Where, where does our allegiance lie? Do, do you love this life more than you, than you love the next one? Like, what, what, what is it that we love in this life? Listen, I, I'm going to be the first that, look, I love my wife. I love my kids. Like, there are things that I enjoy in this life, but I'm pretty doggone excited for the next one. Especially if I can eat everything I want and gain no calories. Like, that's a dream come true. That's, I am joking about that, but, I mean, I do think about it. Guys, this, this life is good, but so much of it is a preparation for the next. And we have to heed the warnings that the Lord gives us because it's not just one warning. It's not like, oh, Pat, well, that's Matthew 25, 1 through 13. No, listen, the next one is the parable of the talents where he says, like, listen, the, person, the, the guy who took his talent that God gave him and dug it in the ground and did nothing with it, he says, listen, you can't even get nothing, man. Nothing. And the ones who multiplied it, listen, I'm going to give you favor. There's favor in the next life. The crazy thing about God that, I mean, just blows my mind, not calling God crazy, but I just think, I just can't comprehend it, is not only does he, he call us, rescue us, save us, love us, empower us, walk with us, and he's like, listen, and in the next life, I'll give you a reward too. If you look for your reward now, you won't get it later. But, but if you stay faithful, then listen, there is reward later. And he says, listen, if you're faithful with what I've given you, I will give you more. And then we see the next parable over in verse 31, the righteous judge and the son of man comes in his glory and the angels and he'll sit on the glorious throne. And then he starts to talk about he's going to put his sheep and the goats. Again, he talks about the separation. There's the wheat and the tares. Guys, there are people who are going to walk with us that aren't going to make it. And it's up to us to be like, Lord, I don't want to be that one. Like I want oil in my lamp. I don't want to miss out on this. And like I'm praying that, that we all make it. I'm praying that we all can join hands and come into the next kingdom and sing Kumbaya. We can eat marshmallows and s'mores and everything. I'm praying that we can enjoy it. But the reality is like he, he talks over and over and warning after warning that not everybody's going to make it. And some of them, some people just don't really know the Lord. They, they, they care more about this life than the next. And guys, th- this is... This is where my heart gets heavy, right? So when the Lord starts shifting it over to like, hey, Pat, I want to I talk about the warning. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I don't know many pastors who get excited like, yay! Like when the prophets get a word, I'm sure they weren't, most of them weren't like super excited to give this warning. Like, listen, if you don't repent, right? Jonah ran from it. He's like, I don't want to go tell him this message. He's like, if you don't repent, you will die. Well, that's hate. That's hate speech. Listen, this is reality. See, the, the truth, this, God's word, truth is ultimate reality as seen by God, not what we like and don't like. Not what our culture tells us and the world tells us. Listen, all of us, I don't care where you're from or who you are or what gender. Listen, if we don't get right with the Lord, if we're not right with him, we're going to miss out on things. And I'm not talking about like, listen, well, if you're not walking with Jesus faithfully, you're going to hell. I don't, I don't know. But, but this is what I'm telling you the woes say. 
This is what, and, and he even gives these, the same woes to the Pharisees who knew the, the Old Testament scripture better than any of us combined. They had it all memorized. And he's saying, listen, you search scripture for me, but you don't even know me. I, standing in front of you, and reveals himself as the Messiah. I mean, I remember, I think it's John chapter 8, where he says, before Abraham was, I am. And it says, all the Jews picked up stones to stone him. You see, a lot of times, again, we miss that. But it was in that statement, he was saying the same I am is I am who I am. He was equating himself with the Lord. He said, before Abraham was, I existed. And they're like, oh, I'm going to kill him. He's like, you search the scriptures for me, and I'm standing here, and I'm telling you who I am. Listen, Yeshua, Jesus is here, and he's telling you who he is. And his word, he has given it to us, not so we can memorize it and recite it. He's given it so we can digest it and live according to it. And let it convict us. Let it stir us. Let it move us. Because, listen, I, I, I want to live a life that, that where I'm doing the Lord's will, but I don't, wanna, I don't want dead works, guys. This is what I don't want. Like, I read this. And I, and I have to get somber before the Lord. It's like, Lord, are my works alive or are they dead? Because again, most of the Old Testament people, most of the people that we see, they, they did works. The Pharisees did works. So works don't earn you salvation. I want to make that very clear. Works don't earn you salvation. Again, that's by faith and by grace alone. But what it does do is all of us will have works if we are connected to the vine, if we are in him living according to the way. Band, if you guys want to come up, I want, I want to worship through some of this. In that same Revelation chapter 3 in the middle, um, it says, Remember then what you have received and heard. Remember, guys, what you have received and heard. Remember where you started. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're good. And then he says, repent and come back. Listen, I, I don't believe that all of us are in the season where we're not close to God. I know many of you. I know many of you love God and you're seeking him and we're pursuing him. But I read scriptures like that. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how, I don't care how long I've been pursuing you. I don't care how long I've been following you. I know that there's times where I just need to come and repent. There's times where I just need to say, hey, Father, I just want to, to make sure that my heart is right and aligned with you. I don't, I don't want anything to hinder me from him. You know, one of my favorite Psalms is when, when David says, um, restore in me the joy of my salvation. Listen, I, like I said at the beginning, like I remember this season, man, where God was just doing so much work in my heart and in my life. And I remember being so excited that God had saved me and redeemed me and set me free. And man, like the first few years were just like running. It was awesome. And I met my beautiful wife and I, we started having kids. Like, man, like there's this element in the first three years of just seeking Jesus was like, it was so good. And I'm not saying the rest hasn't get, been good, but after that, it gets a little bit harder. And not just because life gets harder and you start, kids get harder. Um, but, but then the other thing he starts to do, guys, is what he starts to do is he starts to pull things out of you. He starts to show you things that aren't in alignment with his spirit or his word. And then we can either reject it or receive it. And it's hard. 
It's hard as a man in the kingdom when the Lord starts showing you your junk that doesn't align with his will or his spirit or his way. And he still does it to this day. But guys, we have this opportunity because we're going to worship. But guys, we've, we've already started to worship today. But, but I think we need a posture of repentance. We also need a posture of like, listen, Lord, I need you to do something in me. I want to be ready. And if there's something that, 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 that's, that's in me that, that isn't ready for your return, show me. Work in me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Restore a right spirit within me. And then again, I say this all the time, guys. We can do something crazy and we can pray with each other while we're worshiping. Listen to the Spirit. If the Spirit tells you to go pray with somebody, pray with somebody. Or ask for prayer. It can be a neighbor, it could be a pastor, it could be a leader. Just there's somebody around you that knows how to pray. And if, and if you say, I don't know how to pray, you're wrong. Because prayer is talking to God. God, I don't know how to pray. That's a prayer. God, help them. Be with them. Walk with them. Listen, guys, we need to, as a body, to be more comfortable praying with each other. It says in James, pray one for another that you might be healed. Pray for each other. Father, in the name of your son, Yeshua, who is the Messiah, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the risen one who we celebrate, the conquering one who's gonna come back for us, his bride. And Father, I pray that we are ready. I pray that our heart is ready, that our mind is ready. There's oil in our lamps and that we don't fall asleep and that we, we have this posture of prayer, this posture of repentance, ready for you to come, oh God. So Father, as we prepare to worship you, we prepare to pray with each other. Holy Spirit, that you will move and that you will shake and that you will stir and that you will convict and that you will inspire and that you will give hope where we need hope to the hopeless, Lord God. Father, we praise you in the name of Yeshua. Amen.